Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Welcome to everybody in every Rise location. Welcome to everybody online. Hello, how are you all? Is everybody good today? Come on, the Hutt Valley campus, you feel like a weak group of people. Anybody excited to be in church this morning? Praise God, praise God. Thank you so much to our amazing worship team who are still themselves grappling with the fact that our transition has been so fast. Give it up for our worship team member as they tidy cables normally done in private and secret, but a big welcome to all of our Arise locations. Hey, we're diving into a new series today that I am so pumped about. Uh, It is entitled You and Me, You and Me. And I tell you what, if today's message doesn't speak into your life, you are not open to the Spirit of God. I tell you what, somebody whack somebody next to them and say, get ready, get ready, get ready, because God's about to speak into your life. You're about to get challenged, challenged. Anybody out there love being told how you can get your life better? Come on, anybody like to grow? Anybody like to improve? This message is for you guys. Anybody out there who's like, no, I just want to stay pathetic little me forever? Well, you know, thanks for coming anyway. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Matthew today, the book of Matthew chapter 18. Big welcome to everybody. Hope you're all having fun in Whangarei, watching our new building take shape. We're going to be moving our services into a brand new building in Whangarei in August of this year. Come on, we can get a little bit more excited about that. Then we will be demolishing the old building and turning it into a car park. And then our official opening of that building is going to be on our 19th anniversary as a church in November of this year. Fangare, by the way, if you're looking for Lucas Helverson, he's standing right behind my camera person this morning. So he is the photographer, not the videographer, but that's where he is. He's not lost. He's in God's house. He's still a Christian. These are all good things. Welcome to everybody in Hamilton, everybody in Carpety, Palmerston North, Wanganui, Masterton, Christchurch, Selwyn, Dunedin. Big welcome to all of our online family. Give them a massive welcome to church today. If you have a Bible, let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 18. Have I asked you for that already? If you have not got a paper Bible, you'll do well out of this sermon anyway. Just a little bit less anointing will be on it, but God's going to bless you. Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18. I want to talk to you today around the topic, I'm offended. I'm offended. Guys, I'm offended. I want you to turn to two or three people around you with a real serious look in your eye and just tell them, I'm offended. I'm offended. Come on, come on, tell them, I'm I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. Matthew chapter 18, we're going to start reading in verse 21. Then Peter came... to Jesus, and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? He's like, that's a huge number. Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven, which is like a Hebrew way of saying infinite number. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to settle his accounts, to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. 
So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until his, he had paid his entire debt. That is what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Get a little ouch out there, every location. One, two, three, ouch. Father, bless this word. Open our hearts. Speak into our lives. Show us our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. It's a very rare thing for God to ever say that anything is impossible. When I look in the Scriptures, I can only find two times that the Bible ever says about God that anything is impossible. The first is in Hebrews 6.18, where the Scripture tells us that it is impossible for God to lie. Are you happy about that? God cannot lie. The second time God mentions impossibility is in Luke 17, 1, where Jesus said, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Jesus is speaking here, words in red. Jesus is literally saying, there's no way you can avoid it, team. Offenses will come. Now, this word that Jesus said, offenses, is a Hebrew word, scandalon. It's SK, actually, but apart from that, it's very similar to our English word, scandal. And in fact, it is the word that we translate scandal. Jesus is saying it's impossible that offenses will not come. They're going to come. Something's going to happen in your life. Don't think wrongly about this. Don't think that somehow you are the victim of a peculiar set of circumstances. If you ever have a reason to be offended, everybody is going to have the fabric of an offense in their lives. And offenses are like scandals. Offenses are moments, events that trigger something in me and tempt me to stop loving the other people who are in my world. That's what offenses are. Offenses come into my life and they come as an event or a trigger. I got triggered. That's a phrase we use today. I got triggered. And we use offenses 
as a basis to pull back from relationship with our spouse, with our parents, with our friends, with the people that are in our world. We do it to leaders. I'm offended. I'm offended. An offense always begins with a scandal, a trigger, an event, something in me. In fact, in Luke 17, verse 2, Jesus began to talk more about offenses, and he's talked about offending one of these little ones. And the word that's translated offense in Luke 17, 2 is a slightly different but interrelated word. It's the word scandalizo or scandalizo. And literally what it means, I want to read the definition for you. It is to cause a person to distrust or desert one whom he or she ought to trust and obey. I want to say it one more time because it's the foundation for our talk. A scandalizo literally means to cause a person to distrust or to desert one whom he or she ought to trust and obey. So in the Bible, literally an offense is an event or a moment that makes me distrust or desert people that I ought to trust and obey. Jesus said it's impossible that no offenses should come. Everybody's gonna be offended. But Jesus is trying to help us to understand just because I am offended, it should not lead me to walk away from the people that are in my world. I need to let go of my offenses and I need to find freedom instead. Does anybody else just feel like everybody in our world is offended right now? I mean, I heard one preacher say recently, offense has become our national pastime. Offenses certainly have been given a pedestal in our culture. Everybody has a reason to be offended. Being offended is in vogue. I mean, we're all out here talking about everything that somebody else has done to me that is unjust or unfair. We're all out here talking about what is wrong with the world and how we've all been mistreated. Offense has been given a pedestal, and we tend to think that it's our right to be offended. This is what they did to me. Come on. And because of what you have done to me, This is now the person that I am. I'm a victim. I've been wronged. I've I've suffered unjustly. And I am now offended. And the truth is that there are some huge injustices that we are dealing with right now as a culture. And that's hugely important. But we have to draw a line. In our hearts, in our lives, As a culture, we have to draw a very, very clear demarcation line between correcting injustice societally and being offended personally. We need to make sure that we are continuing to apply the truth of God's law to the culture in which we live, but we need to make sure that we're applying the Spirit of Christ to the way that we conduct ourselves as people. Are you following me today? We've got to keep making sure we don't justify sin in our culture, but we've got to make sure we don't justify offense in our hearts either. Am I talking to anybody today? 
The truth is when I look at people in our world today, I'm seeing a lot of people falling into the trap of being offended. And let's be clear, it is a trap. We have things that happen to us and as a result of that, we let offense fester in our hearts. We hang on to them. We fail to forgive. We're demanding that things get put right. People start going to social media to bag out everybody for everything that they ever did to them. Isn't it crazy how it can go to like the post-service congregation to the environment of the social media platform? Come on, man, am I talking to anybody today? Letting go of offenses has got nothing to do with other people. It's got everything to do with what is best for me. Hanging on to offense is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's not gonna change their life, but if I hang on to offense, it's going to totally transform my life. Or where does it say that in the Bible? Answer, Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions, contentions are like the bars of a castle. Okay, so the writer of Proverbs is bringing us into the real evil of offenses, what they do on the inside of us, when he said a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Strong literally means a walled city. So when I am offended, what I start doing is putting up walls around my life. And anecdotally, we all know that that is true. Offended people pull back from relationships. Offended people distance themselves from others. Offended people refuse to let people in. We do it in our friendships. We do it in our marriages. We sleep in the same bed, but we don't enjoy the same depth of conversation and intimacy. When we're offended, we start to build walls. And then the Bible says, and contentions, in other words, subsequent moments of conflict become like bars of a castle. So the walls are up and the windows are barred. When we let offense get into our lives, it's impossible that the wrong can ever get righted, that the situation can ever get turned around. When we let offenses into our lives, they become the walls and bars that not only keep other people out, but they lock us in. Team, offense is gonna make you lonely. Offense will rob you of intimacy. There are a lot of offended people in our culture, right? And there are a lot of lonely people too. Offense separates marriages. Offense destroys friendships. Can I get real with you? Offense makes people pull back from church. I'm offended. The team leader over my team didn't treat me right. Neither did you treat people right. But what we tend to do is we give validity to offense. We sit in our offenses. I'm worried that as a culture, we think it's okay to have offense in our lives. We think it's deserved. And what offense does when it is in our lives is it drives a wedge in our relationships that is gonna be extremely harmful to us and potentially take us out of the will of God. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your relationships 
are related to your destiny. You cannot separate the people God has called you to to the calling God has for you. Your relationships and your destiny are linked together. And if we let, the devil knows this, by the way, and if he can drive a wedge between your relationships, he can take you out of the true destiny that God has got for you. When we read the Bible, we quickly become face-to-face with the fact that the Bible links being easily offended with the knowledge that Jesus needs to do a greater work in our hearts. If it's easy for you to be offended, then Jesus is yet to do a full work in your heart. The most important parable Jesus ever told, why is it the most important? Because he said it's the most important, is the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, Jesus talked about seed that was sown into ground and beneath the surface of the ground. On the outside, everything looked great. This guy, this girl stands in the church foyer and they're like, hallelujah, praise the Lord, got a testimony of the goodness of God. But beneath the surface, where we can't see, there are rocks beneath the surface. And Jesus said those rocks are pride. That's pride in our hearts. And so then the Bible says that the seed gets sown into the soil and the, pr- the plant quickly sprouts up and everything in this person's life looks great. But when the first time difficulty comes into their life, scandal comes into their life, a moment that people don't live up to the unrealistic expectations that they place on them that they never personified themselves, the Bible says that the plant begins to shrivel and die. And this is literally what Jesus said in Mark 4, 17. He said, because they have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time, afterward, when afflictions or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. The soil in the parable of the sower is always talking about our hearts. So Jesus is saying, if you're easily offended, that's a sign that God has got to do a greater work in you. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. If you're out there today saying, I'm easily offended, praise God that you're owning it. You're already skipping to my application points at the end. I don't want you to feel bummed out. You're actually the people I like in this congregation. The people who are saying, I never get offended are probably the ones we've got the most problem with today, okay? But one of the ways the devil is going to take away the seed of your destiny is by tempting you in moments of tension and difficulty in your relationships to be offended and to sever ties with people. He's after the seed of your destiny. The devil is gonna play upon your pride, your feelings of deservedness. He's gonna come to you and tell you, you deserve better. Just remember, that's exactly what the devil whispered in the, eve, in the air of Adam and Eve in the garden. If you eat of this, you're gonna be like God. You deserve better from this relationship. And it forever brought a distance between humanity and God, reconciled only through the power of the cross. And the devil's gonna try to cause you to take on board an offense so that the destiny God has for you is going to shrivel and die on the inside of you. Somebody shout, wow. Our culture might be out here proclaiming its offenses with a megaphone. 
You don't realize what they've done for me. But the Word of God team is telling us something different. Jesus said, I don't pray that they would all come to me with everything that's wrong. He said, I pray that they may be one as we are one, not divided, not unreconciled, but that our relationships would work. God wants your relationships to work. This service is, this series is all about you and me. God wants your friendships to work. God wants your marriages to work. God wants church community to work. And it is so important that we identify being offended as a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. I'm going to say it three more times. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's a choice. You don't have to be offended. You're going to be hurt, yes. You're going to be wronged, yes. It's going to be painful, yes. These are all guaranteed. Jesus said it. It's impossible that no offenses will come. But then the truth is I have to decide whether what has happened to me is going to offend me. It's not a done deal. Just because I've suffered pain and been wronged, it doesn't mean that I have to be offended. In fact, in Matthew 24, 3, Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, what will be the signs of the end of the age? How can we tell when you're about to wrap up this world and the Father is about to return? And in verse 10, Jesus said, many will be offended. Stay it up, leave it up on the screen. Because they are offended, they will betray one another and they will hate each other. Roll with me. I get hurt. I betray one another. I post it on Facebook. And then as a culture, we end up, we're living in the age of the death of the middle. Do you understand that? Our society is becoming increasingly polarized. Used to be that you had in politics, the left and the right. And I'm not here to say which one. You know, God is not one wing, God is both wings, right? But the truth is, we're out here on the left, we're out here on the right, and the vast majority, we're in the middle. But if you look at the graphs, what's happening is that the mountain in the middle is becoming a cavern, and the sides are getting higher. Because we are betraying one another, and now we hate each other. And God's saying, this is just not what I want. What's going to be the sign that it's getting really bad? People are going to betray one another, hate one another, be offended. Many people are going to be offended. And then in verse 12, he gives the reason. Verse 12, he said, because the love of many will grow cold. So a sign that offense, a reason why offense is becoming more prevalent in our lives is because the love of God is not red hot in our hearts. The love there is that word agape. You understand that there are different words for love in the scripture? We've got filio, which is friendship love. When I say like, I love you, Halsea, you're a legend. That's filio love. Then I've got the, the word, you know, erotica. I can't remember what it is. Eros, that's the one. You know, that's the love I enjoy with Jillian. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's hot and stuff and it's spicy and all that. That's that kind of love. 
But then there's this word agape, which is a conscious decision of the will to love. It is a refusal to have any other position other than I care about you, I want the best for you. And agape love is John 3.16. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that no matter who should, we don't have to perish, we can all know eternal life. That's agape love. It's agape love that caused Jesus on the cross to pray in Luke 24, 34, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. I want you to note, Jesus died on the cross free of offenses. He died free of offenses. And even though we had caused Jesus pain and never apologized, didn't even comprehend what we had done to Him, they, he still died upon that cross and applied love to our lives. Being offended is a sign that our lives are not being lived in love. The love of many will grow cold. Remember that the greatest commandment God ever gave us is a two-part commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love other people like you love yourself. And when we allow our loves to go cold, that's when we start to cling to our offenses. It's love, real love, that's gonna keep us free from offense. If we locate offense in our hearts, team, then we need to fall on our knees before God and fall in love with Him some more so we can fall in love with other people more. The fences that are kept in our hearts are gonna ruin our marriages, tear apart our friendships, reduce the intimacy we enjoy with others and pull us further away from the heart of God. In Luke 17, one, we talked about the fact that it is impossible not to have offenses. But in Luke 17, four, remember we talked about that at the start? Four verses down, Jesus begins to answer this, how many times should we forgive people? And Jesus said, 70 times seven. You need to be prepared in one calendar day to forgive people that many times. That's verse four. Luke 17, one, impossible that you don't get offended. Verse four, and you better be ready to forgive like a madman. In verse five, the disciples responded by saying, Lord, increase our faith. I think we can all relate. But in our lives, we have to be clear. It's challenging to offend. Jesus didn't put his disciples off for when they're like, that's a huge deal. But Jesus never backed away from it either. Just because it's challenging, it doesn't mean you get to ignore it. And then in helping us to understand why it is so important that we offend, sorry, that we forgive and we release those who have offended us, Jesus gives us Matthew 18, verse 21, our text for today, where Jesus tells us this incredible story about a master who wants to settle up his accounts, and so he brings in one of his servants, and the servant owed him millions of dollars, millions of dollars, and the man can't pay. So Jesus says, well, have him sold, 
have his wife sold, have his children sold, have his possessions sold in order for the debt to be repaid. And the guy falls on his knees and says, all I need is a little more time. And Jesus says, the master looks at the man on his knees and says, you're not gonna need a moment's more time because I am gonna forgive you and release you from the debt that you need to pay. Wow. I wanna be really clear. The master in the story is our heavenly father. The debt of millions of dollars is every time we have sinned against him. Every time we have ever offended our God in heaven by the wrong that we have done. That's a debt too big that we could ever pay it. But in spite of the magnitude of the debt, our God looks at us and says, I forgive you and I release you. If you're grateful to be forgiven by a loving God, put your hands together and give that God some praise. Oh, I need you to mean it. Praise your God that He doesn't hold your sins over you, but releases you and forgives you. That is the kindness and the mercy of our God. And then the Bible says, the servant who's been on his knees, he's pleading out to God, God, please forgive me. Master, please forgive me. I don't want to be sold. I don't want, do you understand that hell is your deserved eternal destiny? But the love of God looks down and says, not only do I forgive you and release you, I paid the debt by my son dying on a cross for you. And before you ever asked for his forgiveness, he stretched out his arms wide and says, I forgive you and release you before you ever realized how much you deserved it. And then the Bible says his debt is forgiven and the guy jumps up rocks out of the context of that environment, sees a man who owes him only a few thousand dollars. Do you understand that no offense anybody has ever done to you could ever be given equal weight or significance to the offense we have done towards God? I'm not here in any way, please. On another sermon, let me tell you how much God sees your pain, your injustice. Sermons don't lend themselves to balanced opinions. I've gotta drive this home. You've gotta hear this, that no matter what the wrong somebody has done to you, there is greater wrong than we have done towards God. It's important that we know that. And the man walks out and he grabs someone by the throat. When you hang on to offenses, you start to throttle the life out of other people. You start to wish that bad things would happen to them. We're gonna deal with this hopefully in a second in the sermon, but let me just be really clear. If you would rather have something bad happen to somebody than something good happen to somebody, you have an offense in your heart. It throttles the man, demands instant payment. The man says, I can't pay, give me more time. Exactly what this guy had said to the master, and then the man said, throw him in prison until his debt is paid. I'm not gonna release him even though my master released me. And then the Bible says that the master hears about it. He grabs this guy. He brings him back. He says, I forgave you a tremendous debt. 
shouldn't you forgive a relatively small debt? The key to this is the context. Somebody shout context. I need it one more time. Context. Another time. Context. The difference is it's a relatively small debt. In context, what anybody does to us is small compared to what we've done to God. And we tend to forget what Jesus has forgiven us of. We get out here as a culture on our social media. We're walking away from our marriages. We're severing our friendships. People are leaving churches all because of a relatively small debt. And Jesus says that about this guy that he was sent to prison. The man who wouldn't release his fellow servant, the guy with his hand around the throat was sent to prison. Listen. Your unwillingness to let go of offenses is going to send you into a walled city. You're going to end up in Proverbs 18, 19. You're going to be trying to get somebody else to put right what they've done to you. And all the time, you are the victim of your own unforgiveness. You're going to end up isolated and alone. I'm not here to hate on you. I'm here to tell you the truth, to help you. But offense is going to leave you in a problem that you really don't want. The Bible says until his debt gets paid. And then Jesus said these words. This is how your heavenly father is going to treat you if you don't let go of the offenses that you have in your life. I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. I want you to get it. How God treats us depends on how we treat other people. How God treats us depends on how we treat other people. Unforgiveness in our hearts absolutely impacts our intimacy with God and the answering of our prayers. You can't read the Gospels without being convinced. Jesus said, you want to come to me? And you got unforgiveness in your heart? Go forgive the guy and then come back here. Don't expect me to forgive you when you haven't forgiven him. Your intimacy with God, the answers to your prayers, how not God's heart towards you, not God's heart towards you, but his intimacy with you is going to be impacted. The walls you're building up towards other people are walls to God as well. I know this so many times. The problem with being a pastor is that you have to be right with God to do your job. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like a good thing, but it's a challenge. Because sometimes people hurt you on a Friday. Come on, Chris, you know what I'm talking about. And that means Sunday's only two days to go. You know what I mean? Like if they hurt me on a Monday, I've got six days to forgive them. That's easy. But it's, it's when you, they hurt me on a Friday. They post something evil on a Friday night, right when I'm trying to wind down. I'm awake half the night. And then on Saturday afternoon, I'm trying to pray and get the unction for the message I'm about to preach on Sunday. And I'm like, God, I pray you'd use this word to bless people and smite that person too. And it's like I'm praying to a brick wall. So then I have to go and find a way. I've done things. I've done crazy things. I've sent people notes. I've bought people gifts. I've made, I've made generous decisions in moments when I've been offended, but I had to do it because if I didn't do it, it wasn't about them and me. It was about God and me. And if I didn't fix my relationship with them, I was never gonna fix my relationship with Him. And church, if we're going to be released from our 
offenses, we've got to realize that this is linked to our connection with God. Okay, sit down. I've got, got to preach some stuff to you. By the way, if you want some scriptures, throw these ones up real quick. Colossians 3.13, even as your Christ forgave you, so you must also do. That's saying Jesus forgive you, you better forgive, forgive other people. Hebrew, sorry, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God forgave you. Let me give you three points and then we're gonna close. How do we deal with offense? The first way you deal with offense is you identify offense. You know what the challenge is? We've normalized this. We've normalized it. We've gotten used to it. The likelihood is to, that most of the people here in this message today have offense in their lives that they haven't identified as offenses. You're carrying things, we're carrying things in our lives that are offenses. And the first step to being free is we have to identify it. This is what the psalmist prayed. Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and see and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Point out anything in me that offends you. I wanna invite you to pray that prayer. God, just show me. Help me identify my offenses. This prayer is important because in our pride, we often say that we're not offended when we really are. Too many people are like, oh, I'm not offended. I'm not offended. I'm not offended. I'm not offended. The more you repeat it, the more I think you probably are. <laughs> oh, that didn't hurt. That didn't really hurt me. I mean, I'm a tough guy. I'm a tough guy. You know, I'm a tough guy. I'm a tough guy. I'm a tough guy. I'm a tough guy. As I'm building bricks to my own wall. Your wife can't get close to you, buddy. Your friendships are shallow. In your heart of hearts, you're deeply lonely. And the reason why is that you've offended, but you're not willing to identify your offense. It hurt. The first thing you gotta do when you get hurt is acknowledge that it hurt. And the first step to our being free from offense is to fess up that we have been offended. You're not gonna move on from offenses if you're busy ignoring that you are offended. Come on, am I talking to anybody today? We're gonna actually be willing to get honest enough and say that hurt like nothing has ever hurt me before. It was painful. We discover offense when we realize that we aren't as close to the Lord as we used to be. Hello? Told you this message might not be the most fun message you've ever heard. But in your life, ask yourself, are you still feeling really connected to Jesus? You're still feeling like you're in love with Him? And if you're not, ask yourself whether there are offenses in your life that you've just let fester there for a little bit. The first step to being free from offense is to identify offense. The second step to being free from events, offense is to have difficult conversations. I feel like I want to preach this for about a year. Have difficult conversations. In our social media, media gossip, slander, misrepresentation. Did you know commandment number nine is that you shall not give false testimony? 
that literally in the top 10, up there with, you shall not have any other gods before me, and you shall not murder, is that you better check your mouth when you want to open it to gossip against somebody. And this is what the Bible literally says in Matthew 18, 15. If another believer sins against you, oh my Lord, this might be the most important generation verse for our generation to ever hear. Go privately. Wait, what? I don't put it on my Telegram group with all my friends first? Are you saying I shouldn't even chat about this with my entire life group members first? Are you saying that I shouldn't post this on my, I mean, it's just my story on Instagram. It's not my feed, you know. But you're saying I shouldn't even do that first. I'm saying Jesus said, if another believer sins against you, go, shout it out. Go where? Privately. And point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won the person back. In a culture that is offended and is unfriending, blocking, deleting people's context, telling everybody else about what they've done, the Bible says you don't make it something that leaves your mouth unless it's in the context of a private conversation with the person that you are speaking to. And church, can I preach as a pastor who'd like people to have good lives for a second? This means that if you come up to, someone else comes up to you and starts bagging out Bob for something Bob did to them and you had no knowledge of, the Bible is saying that you should be going, whoa, 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 zip your lip. Let's end the conversation. You shouldn't be talking to me because this is in the context. I'm one person, but that makes it public. You've got to go to Bob. Bob's the only person that you should be talking to. If you haven't talked to Bob, then shut the heck up. Can I say heck in church? Come on, man. I, I feel like we've got to get this. We've got to get this clear. You've got to have a difficult conversation. If we want to rid our lives from offense, if we want to get rid of these walls that are destroying our culture, we've got to commit to some conversations. The truth is, it feels really good to bag out people to other people, and it feels really nervous to have a conversation where you're actually fronting up to the person. But the Bible doesn't say I get to do what feels good. It says I get to do what is good. And having difficult conversations is something we got to bring back into our culture again. Oh, I, 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 don't get me started on that one. I, I could go on that one all day, honestly, because, you know, anyway. All right, let's, let's keep going. Proverbs 6, 9, Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 tells us there are six things God hates and seven that are an abomination to Him. And if you can just show to Him on the screen the very last one, it says God has an abomination and a hatred towards those who sow discord among brethren. When you scandalize other people, when you share your offenses, God says, that is an abomination to me. An abomination to me. We can't nurse the hurt. We can't stay bitter. We gotta do what God tells us to do. Go privately to the person and put the matter right with them. I'm talking to people all around you today. I know, I know. You're okay, but I'm talking to people around you. Tell them why they offended you. Tell them why they offended you. 
Do you know why that's so important that you have that difficult conversation? Because they're never going to grow if you don't tell them. I promise you, 80% of the offenses they've done towards you, they didn't even know they'd done them. If you won't help them, then they can't become more like Jesus. Why do we treat ourselves like every wrong we've ever done, we did with unintended consequences, but everything everybody ever did to me was because they're awful and wicked and evil. I preached that one to the point. All right, let's go on. Number three, number three, number three. Here's our third one. Our first one is that we have to identify offense. Secondly, we're gonna have some difficult conversations. And thirdly, we need to choose to forgive and to release. Proverbs 12, sorry, Romans 12, 19 to 21 tells us, never take revenge. Never take revenge. What's taking revenge? What's taking revenge? Let me tell you what revenge is. Revenge is anything you do independent from a judicial system to right a wrong that has been done to you. That is revenge. If Halsea hurts me, so then I say something hurtful to Halsea, that's not justice, that's revenge. And it does not have the impact of giving justice to me it has the impact of making me the same as the one who hurt me. That's why you leave vengeance up to God because God is an impartial and righteous judge. And that's why he gets to dish out the punishment for what is done because he's not taking revenge. He's bringing justice to the situation. That's why offenses are being used by the devil. It's his attempt to stop us from sowing the seeds that God wants us to sow. Romans 12, 19 to verse 21 tells us, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Because if you'll do this, you'll bring down burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you but overcome evil, conquer evil by doing good. Forgive people, release people, bless people. If someone's hurt you, buy them a gift. Do whatever you can to get an opposite spirit in the way that you're conducting yourselves with other people. The Bible leaves zero room for harboring offenses in our lives. The band can join me in every campus, try to do it quietly. James chapter four, verse seven, literally tells us, therefore, submit to God. Submit to God. I never said that this stuff was gonna be easy. I never said, you're never gonna feel like it. Not a person under the sound of my voice is ever gonna wake up and say, John, Today's the day. I just feel like canceling every wrong ever done to me. Maybe if you just had a one-month holiday on the beach in Hawaii, maybe. But the rest of us, we never feel like it. It is a choice not to submit to the temptations of my flesh, not to submit to the evil that is lurking in my heart, but to submit to my God who said, Father, forgive them even though they don't know what they're doing. That's what it means to release the offenses that we're carrying. Submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil is gonna flee from you. Every person, every campus, stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet right now. This message, 
There are some people here in this right now. This will be on YouTube by midnight tonight. There are some people here in this talk that every day this week, you need to play this message again. I wasn't planning to say this. I'm saying this right now because I feel the Lord saying to me, this is the key to your breakthrough. This is the key to your healing. This is the key to your freedom. This is the key to you living the life you really want. This is the key to intimacy in your lives. Keep listening to this message until the truth of God's Word has so impacted your life that you find a new point of freedom. I'm talking to somebody today. Forgiveness is part of our submission to God. Forgiveness is how we resist the devil. Forgiveness is how I keep myself in the will of God. What happened? What happened? What happened to that friendship? Why don't you go to that church anymore? What, what went wrong in your marriage? What happened? What happened? 10 times out of 10. 10 times out of 10, you're gonna find a fence right there. And friends, I'm here to tell you, 9.9 maybe. We've gotta feel, we've gotta fess up to this thing. We're gonna break this. Close your eyes right now. I feel the power of God moving in this auditorium. You know the Bible says that God gives you grace in your hour of need. That God is near to us when offense finds a place in our hearts. He's there to help, He's there to strengthen, He's there to empower. God never wants to do you harm, God cares about you. And if offense has found its place in your heart right now, I wanna pray for you because God is gonna set you free. I'll say amen, then I'm releasing back to campuses. Father, in the name of Jesus, search our hearts. Search our hearts. See the offensive ways in us, the anxious thoughts in us, the distressing things that we've hung on to. We recognize that you're just such a good and a merciful and a kind God. Help us to release the debt from every offense that we've ever suffered. Free us, heal us. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And with a clap of the hands and a shout, let's give God a big amen. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at johncameronnz.